Welcome to Social Work Cats Rocket Science Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. It's like Netflix, isn't it? Again, <laughs> love it. Uh, should we do some uh, introductions? But I think we'll go this way around this time. Oh, hello. Uh, yeah, um, I'm Elaine James. I'm a social worker. Hello. Happy Valentine's. My name is Momo Suleiman. I'm a social worker. Uh, hi, I'm Ian Burgess. I'm also a social worker. Uh, Rob Mitchell, a uh, social worker. Where's your principles gone? Uh, I've sold them. Sold them oh, after the last they've episode. They've gone now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Brian Mitchell. I'm the host for this one. Uh, the theme for this one is love. With it being Valentine's Day, it seems daft if we don't discuss love and social work. Well, we've, we've written some blogs uh, over the years from um, Social Work, Cats and Rocket Science uh, about love. And they people tend to talk to us about those blogs more than any other. So there's clearly a... It's clearly a thing about love and social work. Um, one of the points I, I uh, often make when speaking to students um, and newly qualified social workers is about um, going back to my social work education. Love wasn't really a part of it. Love don't live here. Um, <laughs> the lecturers might have <laughs> said that. back in the day. Um, so I, I often talk to, to students and newly qualified social workers about, um, we talk about compare social work education and, and one of the things that I often say is that we didn't talk about uh, love um, our, our the lecturers um, talked about lots of really good lectures on attachment but it was very very clinical it was Bowlby and uh, it, it never yeah and it never touched on um, a kind of love and the impacts and consequences and what it does to people and the decisions that they make as a result of, of either uh, loving somebody being loved not being loved being um you know and it was only when i became a qualified social worker that actually and the first few months of being a i was a hospital social worker i was working primarily with older people and hearing lots of stories about a lot of the stories then were about going home and about a love of place and about don't want to go into a care home um, because actually I love and I know I fall at home but I love it I want to be with my husband I want to be with my wife I want to be with my cat or dog or I want to be in front in my own front room with my own television I don't want to share my space love was a became huge and um, and I felt ill-equipped for it because um, I wasn't able to draw on any professional education I was kind of just drawing on my own views my own experiences of 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 love which is probably all we've got and maybe asking it to be part of social work education maybe is a little bit too much I don't, I don't know but now when I speak to social work students they get it they, they absolutely it feels like that love is is on the syllabus and people are talking about uh, love quite a lot I, I would hope so. I think it has to be an integral part of any social work syllabus from a qualification perspective. Otherwise, because it, you know, we, we, we often, I do think we hide from it. I do think we almost like, you know, put it under the table and pretend it isn't there. But it does drive most of us in some way or other that I think it's the Rogers stuff isn't it unconditional positive regard it's another word for it but it's definitely love yeah without doubt yeah it's there in it's for, for me it's there in in all the theories and and that you can't uh, we talked on a previous podcast about um, promote the vote um, and that you can't um, ensure citizenship for if you can't ensure citizenship for people then you won't 
give people the parameters to love and be loved because you're denying them yeah, yeah. their full humanness. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and so I think that in, in, you know, in, in loads of social work texts that I pick up, I kind of find myself being drawn to people who talk about yeah. uh, love and, and yeah. social work. And I think we often get it, we often get dragged into an awkward conversation about um, do, do social workers love, do, you know, I, I do, do social workers kind of practice? And, and I think that's a, a difficult conversation. My, my take on that is that I, I, I don't love the people that I support as a social worker. I see my role or social worker's role as being somebody who enables and helps enable an environment where love has got a chance or where love thrives or where love is respected, where somebody's right to love and to be loved is is uh, un- understood. I think that's our relationship with um, with love. There's, there's a, I, I just want to, there's a really good quote by uh, Paolo Ferrer, is it, you, you uh, academics will know the pronunciation better than me, um, on the, 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 the pedagogy that I've been reading uh, recently. And there's, there's a quote uh, that I absolutely love because um, it, 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 it's a real challenge. And what, what he said was, uh, because love is an, uh, an act of courage, not of fear, love is a commitment to others. No matter where the oppressed are found, the act of love is commitment to their cause, the cause of liberation. And I just think, oh, I'm all right getting by saying that social workers don't love, but we enable love. But I think he's, this is why I love parts of, of academia. He's put the challenge out there and basically said, you can't work with the oppressed if you don't open yourself up to the possibility of, of love. And I just think, oh, that's, that's a real challenge. Yeah, absolutely yes. it is. Do you not think maybe it's a professional dilemma for most professionals in thinking love could um, have something, a role to play in their professional values to make a decision, in making decisions? For example, as a newly qualified social worker, you go into a home and you find the people are being friendly and you are to look them in the face and tell them you cannot get this because I don't feel convinced this is the reason. And now you're too comfortable with this family, you're unable to say those words. Maybe that's why social workers decide to take themselves off any emotional attachment with their with the person they are supporting, thinking it helps them make informed decisions and professional decisions. That's just my opinion, and that's where we really need to strike a balance. I, th- I think that's I think that's a really good point. I think that because of how we practice social work, that we are the obvious profession that will have that dilemma about love. So. We, in, in, in adults, we talk, and children kind of look at signs of safety. We, we look at kind of asset-based, kind of strength-based stuff. So we're looking at positives and building on the positives around the person um, all, all the time. I think social work goes further than that, and it believes, it genuinely believes in the person. And social work is about helping the environment, and then the person can, can thrive. And I think because we are the profession the single profession that's professionally trained, professionally educated to look at all the positivity around us, then kind of love is the next bit on from from that. I don't necessarily think it is in medical training. I don't necessarily think it is if you're training to be a police officer. I don't think it is if you're being a teacher. I think you, the next phase is that, you know, that you, you, you teach at an applied level. Social work, it seems to me to be the natural progression that actually you get into a conversation about do you love the person that you that you support and do and do you need to? And I say, I think there's a real challenge there. For yeah, you. I would agree. Um, 
So, because the, I'm going to stop the conversation there because I think there's a bit to think about. Uh, and there's a couple of challenges in there for social workers, but I also think we need a tune, and the, the theme is love, so give us a tune. So this song means a lot to me on a personal level, and all good love songs do, don't they? So there's lyrics in this song, which is, uh, wonder if you understand it's just the touch of your hand behind a closed door. And that just gets me every time. I think that's a beautiful love song. So this is um, Only You by Yuzu. Looking from a window above It's like a story of love Can you hear me? Came back only yesterday I'm moving farther away Won't you near me? All I needed was the love you Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. That's up there. That's that's one of the best love songs for me. That's got to be isn't it like one of the top ten of all time downstream streamed as well? It's just connect it's just such a simple, simple um love song, isn't it? And that's why that's why it works, but it doesn't try to be 
difficult or clever or... But maybe that's the theme then. Maybe part of the theme here is are we overcomplicating the idea of love from a professional perspective? Oh, oh my God, I've turned into Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Uh, <laughs> the, the perception that we have of love, because there's something about the inability to have the conversation. I think we're just squeamish about talking about it a lot of the time. I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and I'm totally with you on what you say about we... We don't love the people. And I say this a lot. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's just, I don't love this person I'm seeing. And also, I knock off at five o'clock. But, and this sometimes I feel sometimes the thing with social workers where we can become too involved and prescriptive of what we think is right, but then we walk away from it. But these people then, the, 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 we can't legislate for love. And while I was, that could be a Tina Turner song, couldn't it? You can't, you can't legislate for love. <laughs> Um, Can't hurry, love, either. Oh! There's a quote, it's Justice Headley, and he says this, uh, this is going back to a case ages ago, and he's talking about the uh, personal relationships. Um, the plain fact is, anyone who's sat in the family jurisdiction for as long as I have spends a greater part of their life dealing with the consequences of unwise decisions made in personal relationships. And this is something I find um, we can, professionally, we can really struggle with, because we're all experts in other people's lives, but what that person's going through, that's, that's their life and it's their decision. Um, and it's, I suppose it's weird. You, the, only thing, the only time it got mentioned at university, and they never mentioned the L word, but it was always uh, the recognition, especially with children, that they'd rather have a, a rubbish family than no family. Mm. But they never mentioned love, and that's the thing that really, that's like you say, we were never, it's almost, an, it's almost like an embarrassment. People are afraid to mention it. Yeah. Also, the assumption that we all know what a rubbish family is. Mm. I mean, I, I, it's, it's those kind of conversations I find really difficult because what you consider to be rubbish and what I consider to be rubbish, two wildly different things. But there's a definite sense about, well, we all know what we're talking about. Yeah. And I don't think we do. Yeah. In the very same way that I don't think we know what we're talking about when we, when we actually then use the word love. Because it's going to be different for different people, isn't it? There was somebody I was working with a while ago, and I'll try and be brief with this, but there was a, a person I was working with some time ago, and she was deemed to be incapacitous because she was being expected to say something negative about the people she loved yeah. Yeah. By, to a complete stranger. So some doctor was talking to her and was saying to her, tell us about the bad things about these relatives, these people. Tell us about the bad things about them. And just put yourself in that position. Someone saying to a complete stranger saying that to us. Tell us about the bad things yeah. about the person you love the most. And because she wouldn't be drawn on that, mm. they said, well, she lacks capacity because she can't weigh up risk. It's like, no, she just doesn't want to talk about it. It's not, yeah. not at all the same thing. And that's, that was that was the thing for me that 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 one particular case for me case person was where it I I, I sort of reflected on that I really struck home with me that what was going on in that that situation Robert uh, yeah just just we're going back a lot a lot of years with yeah. with with that with that case but there's another part of it which which also kind of stuck with 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 me which is that the the team that supported that young person at, at the time basically got a, kind of carted off into a mm. into a care home and the bit that they were trying to do is they, were, they wanted her to be separate from the from the other people in her family because they didn't want the person with the learning disabilities to hear the harsh realities, which is that those two family members didn't want a living with her. They didn't love her, possibly. And I remember thinking about love and that and that particular set of circumstances and thinking, oh, it's not just 
supporting people and enabling an environment where people can be loved. If you do that, you've got to accept all the awful things that come with love as well. And one of the awful things that comes with love is unrequited love. And it's rejection. When you, and rejection. And actually, she had got an absolute right um, to hear the harsh realities from her family, which is we don't either we don't love you or we don't love you and we, or we don't want you to, to live with us. And, you know, the social workers were working from a, a good place in terms of their heart. They just couldn't bear for her to hear those awful words from the family. But she'd every right. She did absolutely, and had to experience that if she were able to experience love. But that is how we all, that's how we all experience it. That's the reality of it. The reality, I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to say, um, aren't we all the same? But the reality of love is it's, it's, it's a kind of bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's brilliant when it's brilliant, but when it's rubbish... Boy, is it rubbish, and boy, does it hurt. Can I just chip in? The sec I mentioned that quote, Justice Headley, after what you were just saying then. The next part of that quote is, uh, this is about the MCA, so the intention of the act is not to dress uh, people in forensic cotton wool, but to allow them as far as possible to make the same mistakes all of the human beings are at liberty to make and not infrequently do. Uh, absolutely, just follow on from what you were just saying there. I love that, that quote. Because the number of times as social workers, where you get a referral in and you, th you look at the referral and you think that it's your job to go out and fix that referral and, we, and then you have conversations with social workers about and, and managers about clo closing the case or no longer being involved and it's like yeah but the those kind of presenting issues are probably always still still around because nothing is as clear cut and as black and white and as linear as having an issue dealing with the issue moving on that isn't how humans work i, I remember a few years ago well a lot a lot a lot of, i'm just newly qualified working with um, an older person who was discharged from hospital and i supported her to move in 1953 <laughs> <laughs> it's the ways and means act i was working in 1953 um um, I was working with a, an older person to, to be discharged from hospital and not to go to where she lived in, in her own house, but to live in supported living. She, she, this, this person had moved into supported living and she'd been there a couple of days and I got a phone call from her daughter telling me that everything had gone badly wrong with her mum in the supported living. And I was a hospital worker, but we did like a bit of outreach. So we didn't just kind of close the case when somebody was discharged from hospital. Um, so I went out to, to see her. Uh, to see the, the old person and the daughter was there in, in the flat and as soon as I got in there it was, it was clear tension between the, 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 the mother and the daughter so the, the, the older person was mid 80s and the, the daughter will have been kind of mid mid 50s um, and the, the, the daughter was saying to, to, to her mum go on tell him tell him what's happened, tell him. So I'm like, okay, what's happened? And the older person wouldn't tell me. So the daughter says, she's only gone and shacked up with him over at road. And she pointed <laughs> to the flat across where, <laughs> where there was a, an, old sing, an older single guy that, that lived in. And what had happened is that she'd, she'd been, the, the older person had been discharged from hospital. She'd been living in this support living uh, flat for a couple of hours and had hooked up with the guy across, across the, the way. And the daughter was really really cross about it and she was really cross with the mum and I by this point I'd hardly said a word there as a social worker and then halfway through the daughter just put her hands in her head and she said do you know what mum you've always made crap decisions about men and I was like yeah so yeah. she's not going to change at 85 unfortunately mm. if she's you know if that's how life is that's how life is and that's how she experienced love brilliant love love this discussion let's have a tune um Ian this is um this is from my wife actually because I love her so this is my wife, Lucy. I'm going to dedicate this song to my wife. It's uh, one of her favourite songs. It's uh, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad by Meatloaf. Oh. Oh. 
Yeah, and dedicated to genuinely an in, uh, a really incredible person who somehow puts up with Ian. I mean, you know, you've got to give a kudos for that. And she's found two things out of three that ain't bad two about Ian. things <laughs> that. To what hell. can you say? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, that should be playing Record Breakers by uh, Rod Castle. That's dedication. Oh, no, <laughs> let's look, brother. Uh, so let's carry that on then, that, those themes around the understanding, the the trying to empathise with people in terms of their experience of love because I think that is really important if I'm honest those things about where it's what we were were discussing before about when it's great it's great but when it's crap it's crap but it doesn't mean you don't love someone yeah and it's not confusing it and conflating um, love with romantic love which is an aspect of but not the whole thing which then takes you into sexual relationships and and sexual citizenship and ultimately into women's reproductive rights and i i'm i find that a, the squeamishness about talking about love is because there's this bit in the middle which is where romantic love becomes a, talking about adult sexual relations which then take you to if you can get past that into another phase about of citizenship, another definition of citizenship, and beyond it about reproductive rights, and it's quite a difficult space to occupy, really. Without you don't want the, without becoming overtly feminist about it. I don't want to become overtly feminist about it because although clearly it's a feminist issue, it's more than a feminist. Issue. It's a it's a human humanist issue about how if you can work with love and work with the complexity and the ambiguity and uncertainty that working with love allows you to deal with, and recognise that that's going to mean that physical safety is only one aspect of what's important to a person with it's more I'm more comfortable talking about it from an adult perspective because you don't get the added complex of decisions around children but it, it's a, a it's an all-age thing actually physical safety is only one aspect of what any child or, or any young person that I've ever worked with in my work on preparation for adult and transitions has, has identified the the there's the messiness of human relationships the gray areas that sit around it all of those are really important influencing factors about what a child or a young person or an adult might want for themselves and complex advanced social work space you're now occupying which cannot be diagnosed it cannot be um there's no pathology around it it's a it's a understanding and an, uh, an advanced understanding and application of your social work education that you're now in and it's really important at that point that you have good 
colleagues where you can test out the ethics, the moral standing, and you've got a really good grounding and understanding of what your legal frameworks are you're operating in. So there is a defence around the person. You're protecting the person and their right to experience love and all the all the things that come with that, all the potential risk that comes with it as well. I yeah. totally agree with EJ when it comes to talking about love and the different nature of love, like the sexual parts of love and the professional parts of love. Because I was opportune to work with someone who began improving in her well-being when she started loving my presence in her, in, in supporting her. And I could see that love loving the people we support can help them even become better quicker because this person started seeing what she envisages to be in future through my profession through i would like to be a supporter i would like to also help people because i like the way you are helping me so that's where i understand i agree totally with ej when we talk about love we tend to always go with the negative aspect of the love as professionals no that's not what we are talking about here we are talking about loving the person as somebody you would want to support to get well to where they would they have chosen to be what they have chosen to become until to, to for them to see that you are genuinely giving them unconditional positive regard yeah. Yeah, in the yeah, essence yeah. of it, really. Yeah. yeah, I was advised a long time ago by um, a, a, a director of children's social care services who um, said to me that he wouldn't, he, he didn't want me to appoint any social worker as a children's social worker who couldn't talk without embarrassment about love at their interview because you have to be able to work with children and children with disabilities, their families, they love each other unconditionally and be really comfortable talking about that to then apply it in a more complex set of scenarios and remember constantly that that is an influencing factor in anybody's decision making. And no matter what you might think you want for the person, being sufficiently self-aware to kind of self-test that and test that with your colleagues about that value, where are your values influencing and affecting, that becomes a really important part of it. But it is really, it is a really... Um, it's a really risky professional space. It's an important one to test out with colleagues. And especially when you get to the far end of the spectrum about women's reproductive rights and particularly disabled women's reproductive rights, where um, I, I have over the last six years tracked through and worked with a number of young women, significant numbers of whom are care leavers with learning disabilities, all of whom have a baby social worker and ask questions of, you know, do, when of my colleagues when they're pregnant do you have a baby social worker no that's it and think they are being assessed to be supported to be good mums they don't understand that actually that's not the space that a children's social worker is probably occupying because they're there to assess do they think the child is safe and um, that bit about how you help and support and work with a young woman who her, her hopes and ambitions and dreams have been poured into the love for this unborn baby and how 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 have we got ourselves to a place where that isn't the driving force behind a baby social worker's starting point for assessment? I, these are kind of really critical issues that, as a profession, we need to explore and examine. You know, that's her little angel that she's bringing into yeah. the world, and how, how do you how how do you support her with it? Yeah. And um, yeah, that love where we're at 
loving this let's have a tune so go yeah on. well um, I've kind of talked myself into it really haven't I because wow. I was umming in our loads I think there can um, only be one and it's a little bit darker it's a little bit deeper but I absolutely love this and um, it's Angel by Massive Attack
Uh, that was a massive attack. Dare I say. Good choice. It's also, it's a really powerful episode of one of my all-time favourite shows ever, which was West Wing. And it's the one where um, Bartlett's daughter is kidnapped and she's buried in the ground, which would be my worst thing with a tube to the air. Oh. And it's everything, but they, they go into the club and they, they, they take her from the club and the whole tune, the atmosphere, everything. But it's everything about the most powerful man in the world. And just like that, your child can be taken off you. And I, I just think it's, you know, remembering there is an aspect of that in the power intrinsic. You've got to be comfortable exploring and owning the power that goes with the social work title to then be able to put that to one side and recognise it's subservient to the love between the people that you are there to support and I, serve. I've often found as well that people are far more squeamish about love than they are about sex when it comes to people that draw and support me so the example so so when we talk about when we talk to students and newly qualified there's a couple of examples um that 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 we use and the reaction that we get from them is is always quite i think is quite interesting so one is um from uh mark harvey and a young woman that he worked with who gave permission for for her story to be to be told and it's a, a series of text messages where um rosie is coming in to speak to the learned disability team and she sends Mark some texts saying that she won't be in that morning uh, to talk because she's got a date. It's quite a funny series of texts, but basically she's, she's kind of saying to Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming. Um, and then the, the story goes on out, outside of the text that she met a, a man um, on a date and they had sex all afternoon. And as a result of that, she told a learned disability nurse who told somebody else who told, and before you know it there's a safeguarding concern that's gone in about sexual abuse there's a capacitous woman uh, a, a safeguarding that's gone in about um, consent to sex and about financial abuse because Rosie's paid for, for lunch now usually when you tell that story to social workers um, it's great because people are outraged and that's absolutely right um, and that means that we're, we're in a better position because we explain that Rosie's got a learning disability we explain that she's got capacity to consent to sexual relations and sh she's had that happen to her where people have raised consent and it's an absolute outrage great we then sometimes do a play. We play the play by Alan Bennett um, called uh, The Last of the Sun. Spoiler alert, but basically what happens is that, again, a capacitous person, but this time it's an older lady, older woman in a care home, gets visited by a guy and they have um, a, a sec a, a, some form of sexual relationship that she is clearly, clearly consenting to. People aren't quite as outraged uh, at that. So when we play that to social work students and to, to newly qualified social workers in particular, and the outrage that you get for Rosie isn't necessarily the outrage that you get for Dolly, which because she's denied a sexual relationship, a sexual relationship that she that she consents to. And I was once talking to um, a, a student. Um, at one of the universities I visit about that, and I was asking about what is it about about dolly that that you were cross about dolly but not to the same extent Rosie. and she said something that i thought was really interesting she said well it was clear with dolly that the guy coming into the care home um they didn't love each other um and i said oh so if the if that was a relationship if dolly were being visited by her husband in the care home and they'd had a they were a relationship and they'd had a sexual relationship for 60 years because they'd been married for 60 years would that make you feel differently and she said yeah it, it it probably would and I thought oh isn't that interesting that actually the, the squeamishness for the older person was about sex without love the 
outrage about the younger person was about being denied the physical act of sex. I just thought, interesting. What's interesting about that is the application of age. I'm projecting, imagine that with their parents or their grandparents, and that's it. And they might be okay with a younger person doing that, but an old person, no, absolutely not. No, I think it is ageism. There's some really cracking case law, which I I find really kind of pulls this together. And it's a, a bit of case law about um, a couple with a learning disability who'd actually been together and married for a number of years. And nobody had any opinion about that right up until they went to a fertility clinic because they decided to start a family. And at that point, um, everybody got involved and suddenly found that the, that he lacked mental capacity. Um, to, um, and it then became immediately unlawful, the relationship. Huge state interference that went on for about four years between this couple as a result, um, including huge fines retrospectively to the local authority ultimately having to pay money to reimburse for um article 8 breach which is your right to a private family life to him and settle with his um settle with his wife out of court and when i look back at that i always kind of think well you know there are a couple of things pragmatically practically social worker right from the outset could have chosen to say, well, I've seen your mental capacity assessment. I raise you one, Ian Burgess. I'm going to do my own mental capacity assessment. So that kind of practically something you could have done. But secondly, I always wonder, would anybody have been bothered if they didn't want to procreate? If it wasn't two people with disabilities wanting to create another person which created the risk, you get really into a space about reproductive rights and eugenics, um, eugenics at that point. And I, I do think all of this, I mean, it's not exactly a Valentine's conversation at this point, but it kind of, <laughs> you know, there is a, na- a, natural, I hope it con- is a natural conclusion. But it, it's, it, it's still a live debate today, isn't it? You, yeah. you look at Iceland, you look at the UK, you look at the the use of genetic profiling and testing and kind of where that stuff can go i i always wonder would anybody have had any interest in that couple's life because they didn't before if they hadn't wanted to just start a family and have a child and kind of bond and cement in their ideal world what they thought love looked like which is um a family a really kind of traditional concept of family talking about that we as humans we kind of have a way of projecting our fears on others and our doubts and feeling some people are not good enough to achieve some things because we think they are are not at the level they should be to achieve those things. So at the end of the day, it's all about, as a professional, where is your unconscious bias? Where is your values? So you need to always put those in check. That's where supervision comes in because by speaking with a manager or somebody in the team about this, the person will put your values in check and help with your unconscious bias. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I had a conversation with you, Elaine, a while ago and it kind of, it goes back to the point we're making about uh, Dolly and the fact that if she'd been in loving relationships um, and we were kind of saying how we've got ourselves to a place where we're kind of patting ourselves on the back where we know that two people who learn disabilities in a monogamous sexual relationship we are really all right with that now and we've you know the nurses are all right with it schools kind of if the person's over the age of 16 they, they get it and but actually any deviation providing she's got her implant so there's no risk of pregnancy yeah absolutely and two people with a learning disability we seem to be far more okay with two people with a learning disability having a sexual relationship somebody not having a learning disability somebody having a learning disability because then that completely throws everything that we know about 
MCA and consent out of the window because suddenly we put ourselves back in the safeguarding position and we can't begin to comprehend that you might have somebody with a learning disability, somebody not with a learning disability, but somebody with a learning disability who can consent. That doesn't... And it's stepping it back several degrees again from that as well, isn't it? Which is then not conflating that there is an... Um, there is a relationship but actually the drivers and just because there's a threshold passed the drivers are still no different it, it's just that there is a an emotional connection that person feels pain and you're going to feel their pain with them and therefore that impacts and influences your decision making that's the bit whereas we said earlier you can't pathologize it you can't diagnose it it's it's human it's like humanity is his rawest and it is uniquely social work in its educational background and, and context and understanding and my sense is the more we talk about it the more we sort of may you're never going to get your head around it ever no. you're never going to get your head around it and yet for some unknown reason we're not talking about it within the profession so the more we discuss it the more we'll get a broader sense about what the hell is going on out there but if we don't talk about it we won't know um, let's have a love song. Okay, my love song is from one of Africa's finest, Sufis Idibia. He's called African Queen. Yeah, yeah, you are my African Queen. Ooh, Lord, ooh, Lord. Just like the sun lights up the earth, it lights up my life. The only one. I ever see with a smile so bright And just yesterday You came around my way You changed my horse and way With your astonishing beauty Oh, you couldn't make a brother sing No ordinary thing, a supernatural being And no, you are brighter than the moon Brighter than the star, I love you just the way you are and you are my African queen The girl of my dreams You take me where I've never been You make my heart go ding a ling Boy, you are my African queen The girl of my dreams And you remind me of a thing And that is the African beauty Stand as one, they are standing one I look into your eyes Girl, what I see is paradise You captivated my soul Now every day I want you more I cannot deny this feeling I'm feeling inside No one cannot take your place You cannot take your space That is a fact I cannot erase And no you are the one that makes me smile Make me float like a boat upon the night Girl, you are my African queen The girl of my dreams You take me where I've never been You make my heart go ding-a-ling-a-ling yeah. You are my African queen The girl of my dreams And you remind me of a thing is the African beauty
and I know, oh yes I know mm-hmm. You are my African queen and I know, see I know See I know what I am feeling in my heart and in my soul Oh I know that it is love And I know that this love was surely sent from up above Cause you're the only one that I think of You are my African queen and I know that it's me You're the only one that I will serve I'll give you my heart, my love, my body and my money Every other thing you think of In a man, who could think of anything better than you? Who could think of ever hurting you? Sacrifice my all, I'll give it all to you You are my African queen, for real You are my African queen A girl of my dream, a girl of my dream Okay, so in summary then, what we're saying? I think one of the things about social work is that um, we think sometimes, I think we think we can police everything. <laughs> and I, you can't police, um, you can't police love. And when you try as a social worker, <clears throat> or as a local authority, to try and police it, you get yourselves into all kinds of a, of a mess. I often... Uh, use the example of uh, a very personal example of my uh, sister uh, lost a sight and had some profound support needs near the end of her life and um, she uh, had a support worker that she employed through direct payments and because of the kind of person that my sister was she broke all the rules about the about how she should have set up the employment, who she employed. And her and the support worker became just the closest of friends to the point where they loved each other as as best friends. And of course she would do that because my sister just broke all the rules all the time and she couldn't be policed around a direct payment. Um, so she, she had this relationship with a support worker. A support worker uh, was a similar age. A support worker, it's a really sad story. She, she uh, became terminally ill um, and died. Uh, and left the care of her 14-year-old daughter with my sister, um, who was who was blind by that, completely blind by by that point. Um, you can't police that. That's that's a love story. That that social care, direct payments, people being person-centered, people trying to understand social work. You're probably not ever going to get your head around it because it's un- so unique so nuanced to the person so that's that's the learning for me is that the, when you start trying to police love you're probably going to get it wrong and people are not likely to tell you the whole story or the whole truth because they know that you're never going to understand it so you're on a loser there's um, a quote from favorite film of mine i'm always saying it it's um it's a tv drama and it's um lionel jeffries he's talking to his wife who's patricia routledge Richard. Uh, Rich, yeah, and he's talking about his uh, their, their neighbours, which is... Uh, anyway, um, he's talking about their relationship, and he says, um, two books you will never read, The Inside of Somebody Else's Head and The Story of Somebody Else's Marriage. <laughs> and I love that. That's, yeah. That's, Very good. Yeah, I say it a lot. 
I believe as professionals, we should understand that people are the experts of their own lives. And when you go into someone's home, you understand they already have a dynamic. Try to understand the dynamic before you even try to start um, trying to help them. Because if you don't understand that dynamic, you would most often find a lot of people lying to you and taking a mic at your profession. So let love lead and understand that the people are the professionals of their own lives. Yes, and now I wish I'd chosen Let Love Rule by Lenny Kravitz because you've got that in my head. That kind of naturally links across. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's complex and it's messy and that makes it social work. Ultimately, what we need to do is acknowledge that everyone's version of love is different. Mm -hmm. Yes. Stop talking about appropriate relationships and start talking about people's perception of love is where I'm at, I think. What's your tune, Brian? Uh, my tune is... Well, you could only finish with one, really, couldn't you? It, is it Monday? Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? No, it's Friday. Oh, you're in love. Friday, I'm in love by the Aww. cure. <laughs> Very good. See you all later. Take it easy. Bye. 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 Bye.